the Demon Dust Podcast, dedicated to the His Dark Materials, BBC, HBO television series, based on the works of Philip Pullman, is hosted by Travis Bryant and Rich Fan II, powered by the South Congress Podcast Network. Another episode of the Demon Dust Podcast. Uh, this is your His Dark Materials recap and review for Season 2, Episode 3, Theft. Um, I'm Travis Bryant, Rich fan, along for the ride, as usual. Rich, what's happening? Not much. Trying to trying to get this on wax, like you just said before we started, because... Yeah. We were, we were, we were getting, getting ready to get all heated conversation. It was like, wait... <laughs> We have a we have a platform and outlet for this. Let's not waste. <laughs> I was getting really uh, a little little hyper and a little rage filled because they they making my girl Lyra like dumbing her down to fit their to fit their uh, version of the story when they have the book to just it, it gives them the guide and they continuously make their jobs. <laughs> harder on themselves, I said it last week, and they're doing it again a little bit, uh, not as much, but they're doing it, uh, they're doing it, uh, this week, but let's, um, let's, let's jump into it, we, we, last week we left off, Lyra met her scholar, she met Mary, and she promised to come back the next day, uh, Will, he's, you know, he still can't be in his world, he's being, He's being uh, pursued by the pale face man, as the uh, captions uh, called him before. Because uh, I was watching season one, and before they named him, uh, before he was outed as a cop, D.I. Waters or Walters, uh, mm-hmm. the captions would just say pale face man. I'm like, what? Like him and the other guy, the kid, the guy that fell off the balcony, like, they're, if anything, the, the 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 cop guy could be like hmm, maybe he's like uh, there in England so like hmm, maybe he's Portuguese got a little Portuguese in him or something like he could look and the other guy was more of the pale face guy he kind of had red hair or lightish brown yeah. strawberry blonde hair and it's weird that they named him the pale face man somebody else in another show there was a bad guy or something that was referred to more officially. I think that was actually the character's name, Pale Face Man, or not Heroes. I don't know. I don't remember. But um, um, what was my what was my whole reason bringing up the Pale Face Man? I'm sorry. Oh, you were talking about the awareness of Lyra, and then the deviations from the book. Yeah, yeah. The book gives them their guide, and they just uh, they make their jobs harder. And we'll get to that specific scene and I'll rant. Uh but let's uh let's break this thing down. Before we do, episode uh thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle, just overall for episode three. I give it a thumbs up. It mm-hmm. it progressed a good bit of story and I I felt like it didn't feel like a filler. So so that was pretty good for me. Yeah. 
Yeah, oh yeah, there aren't... There could be 10 episodes per season. Like, I'd rather it be 10 episodes per season and they could tell more of the story and get a little more detailed and not kind of brush over things that I think... Like, the, today, the movie theater, uh, I thought was underplayed. Lyra's reaction mm-hmm. was so... It's just so different. And not... Because, and it's if it was different and you, uh, you watched it and it was like, wow, that was... Mm, nailed it. But Lyra, like, complaining that popcorn tastes like wood chips or whatever, wood shavings. Yeah. Like, one, no, it doesn't. Popcorn is delicious. Mm -hmm. Especially movie popcorn with, you know, fresh... Right, all the saturated fat. fat The fake butter all over it. Like, her reaction in the... Okay, you know what? When we get there, I'll get into my... In the book. (laughs) Uh, We get a recap uh, from last week showing that uh, what went down with the witches, the killing of the cardinal, or I should say the death of the cardinal. He was, uh, well, he was killed. He was murdered by Ruta Scotty. Uh, but he was, no, no, no. I, I had that right the first time. He was, yeah. she attempted murdered the guy. Right. <laughs> uh, Coulter finished him off. But of course, nobody knows about that. That was all secret. And, um, and uh, and McPhail gets gets the uh, vote on the cardinal ship. So I watched the finale of season one again with my girlfriend the other day, and there was a line, there was a scene in a line that made last week's scene with Father McPhail. Remember when she said, I'm leaving? When he gets, he's newly crowned as a cardinal and he's, you know, feeling himself and high on it, on, you know, on his high horse. Um, and she's like, came in his room like, I'm out. I got something way more precious to find. And he had this look on his face like, you're leaving? Like, no. And I was like, yeah, he's stuck there. Mm-hmm. I was like, as much power as he has and influence, he's stuck. He can't just go where he wants. Certainly not unaccounted for. Right. Like all his movements are going to be again. He's the top guy, but everybody's going to know, or some not everybody. Somebody's going to know where he goes and moves he makes. When she gets in McPhail's face in the finale. Or maybe it's not even the finale. It was maybe it was the penultimate episode. But she had this line where she's like, "All men." Oh, he said to her, "Are are we without sin or something like that?" She's like, "Yeah, sure. I've done my fair share and you know whatever." But what's your sin? Greed, lust. She's like, mm. she kind of looks him over like, "No, envy. That's yours." Like. You envy people like me that are able to, that are free to, you know, aren't tied down by your pious rules and regulations and all that. And I was like, oh, that made his reaction in uh, episode two, season two, when he's like, you're, you're, you're leaving me? Like, yeah, he's trapped. He's stuck. And she's mm-hmm. a free spirit and can do whatever she wants. In, in a, and he's the only person that calls him by his first name, which was really uh, Hugh. They called that man Hugh. <laughs> Hugh McPhail. I'm out. H. See ya. So yeah, I wanted to uh, 
just uh, that's get, a nice connection. Get that out there of, of rewatching uh, season one with my, with my lady. Um, but yeah, this week theft. Uh, we start off. Where do we start? We start in Chittagatze? No, we start in. Uh, the the place is Lake Anara is obviously a lake. Mm-hmm. Is there which island called Anara? They never really established that, and we don't. I don't think they called it because they always talked about Lake Anara. So I guess right. they just converted it into like an island. I think it was just because of the land and what they were using. Like, but I'm just saying in this, this case, like we, what should we call it? I guess we should just call it Anara. Yeah. So we start on Anara, which is ashes because it got bombed into smithereens the night before, and it's just smoke and ashes. And Seraphina calls calls all the witches to to listen to her. We're facing devastation on a scale not seen in centuries. Uh, she tells everybody. And the magisterium, you know, will pay for their crimes. And there's just uh, inconsolable witches. Uh, Seraphine is sort of keeping it together, uh, but there are witches there that that are not. Yeah. So their place is just uh, a, a a wreck and an, and an ashen grave. They don't do a death toll, but you have to imagine. And not everybody made it out, so they don't have a place yeah. to stay, and I'm sure they lost a decent amount of their forces. I was gonna say twenty percent. That's I think that's uh Yeah, the way they struck mm-hmm. you know, with the air and the bombs and just blanketed that place with incendiaries. Not just bombs, like they've got technology. Like <laughs> we talked about the submarines. Right. And obviously they've got Zeppelins, airships, whatever. Um, then we've got Lyra sneaking out of the the uh, the crib her and Will have procured in Chittagatze. She left Will a note, presumably that you know she'll she'll be back. She's going to because uh, she's got that meeting with uh, with with uh, Mary Malone in Will's world. So she makes her way to the window from Chittagatze to Will's world. Which I realized is not very well hidden. No, there should it's be people falling through all this. Like all the time. Like you're throwing a frisbee and it's like, oh crap. Like it's it's on a stairwell. Yeah. I, I yeah. That's a little much for me. Like, how is Angelica and Paula and all those old street urchins in Chittagatze not making their way back and forth to Will's World, stealing stuff and making right. mischief? And I mean, they shouldn't. I wouldn't want that version of the show. But the way that's positioned, it's like everybody should just have made their way to Will's World, and in that, and in turn, people should have seen a bunch of people pouring out on regular, and that thing should have been the. Uh, Noticed. Remember, in in the book, it was in a round. It was like in the middle of a roundabout. Like it was like mm-hmm. in the little island of like a roundabout of some sort, and it was just in the middle of, you know, you couldn't see it. It wasn't like they've designed it in the shell, like where it's just this big old open portal, like in the in the uh, 
in the books it was this tiny little sliver that you could not see unless you were looking dead ass on or a certain angle or whatever so that aside that's a, that was annoying first thing in the episode they've got they've got Lyra stepping through cuz when they when they showed him last week going through they didn't they didn't show it was just so close to the entrance that Lyra's like looking back make sure nobody's following her she closes the gate and then it's right there it's right there right. <laughs> then we get a sh- this shot of a cloaked man with tattoos on his on his knuckles holding a ring calling Lee Scoresby I call ye I declare ye now return return this is cool how they, how they just had his voice echoing across the land and the leaves and foliage seemingly responding to it and Lee's balloon just which was pretty still just all of a sudden lurching and headed in a particular direction and yes Hester was the first to notice and uh, and uh, notices hey we're uh, we're at this uh, whatever city they were in or town I don't think you could call this little place a city like hey we didn't uh, we didn't even mean to come here Yenisee we didn't come to Yenisee and Lee looks like oh looks like the kind of place a famous explorer famous explorer might wind up and Hester's like, yeah, you said that already a couple times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, Lee's, Lee takes it as a, all right, we're here. Let's uh, let's do let's ask some questions. And it's just wild how you can just with a balloon. <laughs> they never showed a man like landing and like uh, he's just there. And in the next scene, he's like, you know, at a at a bar or talking to folks. Like, I want to see you land that thing, <laughs> and then like pack yeah, it up. And... A lot of crap for somebody who's just like. <laughs> There. Well, he is the number one there or not, and you know they, yeah. they 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 brag about that. But he reminds me of Launchpad McQuack from Disney. Like, are you <laughs> super, really the, are you the best cocky. pirate? Or are you the only pilot? <laughs> I mean, yes. See, mm-hmm. That's a yes. Because it's like okay, Lee. Because I'm seeing some ladies with some like wood chips in their arms and legs flying a lot better than you are. Mm. He's like those are performance hands and fast twitch. <laughs> we, we we go to Will. He's uh, waking up, and he finally uh, gets to really read some of the letters that his dad sent his mom that he was been protecting, because uh, that's actually uh, right out of the book where he hadn't read them. He yeah. spent like an entire at least a day with Lyra meeting her and then finally got around to reading them. So he read a bunch of them and he thinks Lyra's telling the truth and he's alive. Or not that Lyra's telling the truth but the alethiometer was true and you know, we need the alethiometer. We gotta ask it about my my dad's alive and, I, and we can find him. And he's yelling up to her because he's sleeping on downstairs because she commandeered his bed. He runs up, finds an empty, empty bedroom in bed, and uh, confused, runs out of the runs out of the house to to search Chittagatze for her, and didn't notice the note that Lyra left for him on the uh, on the kitchen table or whatever. 
And, yeah. Uh, yeah, so presumably he's going to search Chittagatze, not... Uh, his I don't world. think he's going to go to his world yet. Yeah. Uh, Mary is back to Mary Malone in Will's world, and she is not frantically, but feverishly, maybe, trying to uh, get her dark matter machine computer supercomputer to uh she's trying to transform it into words she's trying to get the thing to communicate with her like it did Lyra but with words uh she's having a hard time um getting it to do anything she goes up to her office maybe to get something else and boom D.I. Walters is there what's D.I. detective investigator inspector inspector okay so which is like redundant because if you're going to detect you would also inspect like what why do you need both but i love di that's like one of my favorite acronym like, english or, things yeah. where it's like <laughs> instead of just being detective smith detective inspector smith hello just call me di <laughs> lyra finally gets to okay issue one with this episode uh, uh Lyra has a really good sense of direction that she just found St. Peter's College again from the remember it was a walk and she walked through a courtyard and she's in awe of everything and like the food carts and the performers and you know the street performers and just modern people you know our world people and situations she's just wow look at that that's different that's different so I doubt she was like paying a ton of attention to to the to the route that they took uh, to St. Peter's, and I don't think it was a straight route. I think they were kind of looking and deducing where might it be. And then she ran all over the place, thinking, you know, hey, Jordan College is this way, and then it was just construction site. So she just pops back in the next day on her own and just finds St. Peter's College. Again, maybe she just asked, hey, which way to St. Peter's? Come I sit up that way, take a right, and, you know, whatever. But, I don't know. I That's a little suspect to me. Minor complaint. That's just my over, <laughs> over analysis. You know, me watching the thing, and, yeah, my brain being my brain. Lyra does show up finally, though, uh, though to, to St. Peter's, and... Uh, as Mary is coming out of her office that still holds D.I. Walters she's like Lyra you have to go now and there's a cop here asking questions about you and she pushes Lyra into the, an elevator and never hit the button to go down or up or down <laughs> so D.I. Walters um, shows up and Lyra's like or, or Mary had explained he's here asking questions that he knew you were here yesterday and then the, the detective opens the door the, the the elevator door think he was just leaving and then he sees them in the elevator like oh would you could we step into step into the office please <laughs> and then Lyra compliments his mustache like really just weirdly she's like what a wonderful mustache and that kind of throws him off like what the thanks <laughs> but it was it was just odd and I guess that's just her trying to 
you know, she's not well established as a as a big time con girl because they didn't they just haven't in the show really given her that. They're still calling him the pale face man, even though he's named. The captions still say pale face man every time he talks. <laughs> so that's uh that's interesting. Uh the pale face man then asked Lyra some questions and just like in the book after asking her about four or five or six questions he throws in a question about Will super casually and she's like yeah no he's a and then she catches herself because she just instead of going who Will who what I don't know that guy she obviously (laughs) knows who Will is and she's like uh, he's like I need to take her downtown or whatever and he goes to talk to Mary and Mary gets in the guy in his way gives Lyra a little shooing signal behind her back and Lyra takes off and when he, when the cop tries to to run after her Mary Malone gets in his way and like keeps him from grabbing her right then and there but he's still on her tail and he chases her a couple of blocks and Pan uh, she lets Pan out of her backpack that he was in and he forms into a bird and they did they did the thing that they didn't do in season one when she got kidnapped because in the book in season one in book one when she when the gobblers are kidnapping her on the docks they have to chase her down and pan forms into a bird and gives her the bird's eye view like turn left no 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 that's a dead end don't go that way that kind of thing (laughs) so they didn't we didn't get that in season one running from the gobblers but we get it uh in this season running from the cop which didn't happen in the book because in the book mary's uh, interference and in getting in the cop's way was enough. It was enough for Lyra to slip out, go down this, whatever she had to do, but he didn't chase her across the city. He's like running across the campus like, stop her! <laughs> <laughs> and the old man just got out of her way like, I don't think so, sir. <laughs> I don't get paid enough to tackle you know, f- you know, uh, feisty children that could probably hurt me if they crash into me. Mm-mm. <laughs> out of my pay grade my yeah exactly that is not in the job description um, and then she runs into Boreal or she runs <laughs> she runs she's she's panting she's holding her sides and Boreal in the super nice car with the with the with the butterfly with the butterfly doors pulled up and was like you need a lift hey Lizzie from the museum right you need a lift and she's like, uh, no. And then the cop is still, he like, starts running down the alley that she just came by, or came down, and she's like, oh, you know what? On second hand. And she jumps in the car with him. Uh, so, again, some things were changed. I don't think they were necessary changes. Uh, but how did you feel about the scene in the context of the changes from the books or or not just in general just her showing up Mary Malone the cop the whole thing getting chased that is wild to me it is 
Mary Malone, everybody else, and well, yeah, for sure. Um, but specifically, the 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 scene of the cop, the chase down the street, jumping into yeah. Boreal's car. Uh, well, you know, not exactly how it happened in the book, but I, I was gonna say this is where I'm throwing the challenge flag, yeah. and I'm gonna rewind it and and like keep showing the ref, like listen, Mary, Mary Malone was all. Uh, she was all state fullback. She she put, I'm trying to put think that she would have been in like England, like <laughs> oh all, right right, like, all Hertfordshire in round ball. Yeah, and yeah. and her her her, her uh, side is actually just all you know county and soccer. Like that woman can can laterally move. You clearly see she's got some chutzpah, and just one half second worth of like her playing the shield. That was kind of insulting. I just realized uh, Boreal either got a new car or he got the boot taken off of his car from season one. I think the boot taken off. I'm not sure if this was the same car. They never really showed a wide shot of it. So he might have multiple cars. Well, yeah, he might have just been like, oh, I guess this one's in, and I can't can't drive this one anymore because i go get a new one <laughs> and look, remember look at his crib we get to see his house later and it's pretty ornate he's like rich just like in the books he's like well off in the book he has a driver and he pulls up and that's how he uh pulled up on on lyra but it wasn't in the context of her running from the maybe it was but again she got a wave relative because mary's interference worked fully uh, again, here she she she, they have him chase her down the alley or all over actually. So she finally jumps in Boreal's car. <laughs> the, she doesn't know how to work the seatbelt. The just everything's new to her. I wonder how Boreal learned to drive. Because in the book we didn't have to worry about that because he had a driver. Right. Uh, so here. He's just in this new world, driving. Uh, again, they got submarines and, and, and zeppelins, so they're not completely technologically. Uh, but come on, come on! He's got the state of the art, like high end vehicle. Uh, yeah. Obviously, he doesn't have a. Li- I doubt he has a license. Maybe he does. Maybe he, he had a whole full life as Charles Latram in the books. They haven't. I mean, I guess they've established that with the fact that he has a car and money and connections. He's got a cop under his thumb, and he had that other guy under his thumb, and he's got to obviously be paying these folks. They just never, either in either the literature or the show, they just don't. How did he acquire this in this world? How did he? Uh... I'm su- I'm sure. I was going to say I'm surprised there isn't any, but I'm sure there's some fan fiction out there that that's out there that that exists about Boreal slash Latrum. How he? Uh... There's got to. Why didn't Pullman write one? I mean, he did the Collectors, and that was like a side story with Mrs. Coulter that had nothing to do with Lyra, or or at least directly, it didn't have anything to do with any of the main main characters of the any either trilogy. Yeah, I would think Boreal's. Maybe I'm. Maybe Boreal from the show is. I, I'd want a book about him, not really the Boreal from the book, because he was a creep and a pervert and a thief, and <laughs> you know. 
Um, anyway, he gives he gives Lyra a ride, and she escapes by the skin of her teeth from the cop. But obviously, not she didn't escape Boreal's clutches because after a while, she's like, "Hey, could you drop me off here?" And he's like, "I'd actually rather take you all the way home." She's like, "No, no, no, no. Actually, I know where." I know where I'm at now. Um, just let me out. Let me out. She has a little bit of a panic attack, and he, he, uh, he, he pulls over. Oh, he's driving a Tesla. That's what it is. So I think it's the same car because I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I, uh, I talked about him driving a Tesla last season. So I guess he got the boot off somehow. So maybe you have, maybe he has a has a license because I don't think you can just be like, hey, take my boot off, and they're they're just like, they probably want to know who you are, see some registration, that kind of stuff. Of course, I mean the paperwork's always going to get you. Yeah. It was in this case. Do you have the right paperwork? I'm sure he does. I mean, he's pretty put together, and yeah. considering he's got a cop under his thumb, he's got some fake forged paperwork or or something, or he's definitely murdered a guy and <laughs> stole his identity and everything. That's definitely uh, a possibility. Uh, Charles Latram, some recl- some guy that didn't have any family, or but you know, yeah, yeah, he definitely did. Uh, so he lets Lyra out, and this is here's where here here's where we get a bit of a mini mini rant, and but an understandable mini rant because I think I understand why they didn't want to. You know, I keep saying the book gave him the guide, but here's maybe where you want to diverge or deviate from the book. Uh, so he lets Lyra out. She gets out. She's all frantic and still like having a bit of a panic attack. He then calls her, Lizzie. She freezes. She's like, "You forgot your backpack." And he hands, he holds the bag out of the window. And she like, "Oh!" Runs back. Thank you. He doesn't. He's like, "Until next time," with his creepy smile. <laughs> and he, she like, kind of has to like snatch the bag from him. He doesn't want to like let it go. Uh, and then he pulls off. And then she immediately checks the the little pouch that had the alethiometer nothing there she f- searches through the uh, rest of the bag it's gone she runs into the middle of the street because she hasn't learned her lesson yet <laughs> and and screams what stop or wait or something and obviously that's not going to work that man stole her lithiometer and you know he's got clean smooth away with it and Lyra Silvertongue would not be Separated one foot from her lithiometer. It is not believable. It is her life. She, tra- you know, I mean, she traveled and put herself in harm's way to give the thing the the Azrael last season. You know, like her whole life right now is built around that thing. It's right. t- it's giving her all the quests. Without it, without it, she has nothing. She has no quests. She has no lead. She has no knowledge. She has nothing. She even got into a big fight with Mrs. Coulter in the in the first book because she wanted to wear a little purse, like a, a strappy purse that was perfect for the size of it. And Mrs. Coulter was like, "It's uh, it's silly to be wearing a purse in your own home." And she had the realization of, "Oh." She called this my home. This ain't my home. That was obviously different from Lyra that they did in the show. But 
she would not separate herself. I don't care what kind of panic attack she's having. The first thing she would have did was grab that bag and get out. But here's why they probably changed it from the book. And understandably so. So in the book, Charles Latram slash Carlo Boreal had a driver. And and uh, Rich <laughs> stay with us here and he I'm had done. a yeah so he had a driver and she had to crawl over his lap to get out of yeah to, to get out of the car to get out on the driver or on the sidewalk side the right. way the driver pulled up because they even he even said driver pull up here and he set it up that way so he could cop a feel one because he's they they had established that he was a bit of a pervert um mm-hmm. And also to swipe the alethiometer. So she didn't know until she went to like look for it late, like a minute or two later, just kind of like patting her jacket, like, oh, it's gone. And she realized, oh, he stole it. This time, because they wanted to deviate from the book, they made her a bit of an idiot, leaving her bag, something that she never would do. Obviously, she screwed yeah and she's in a bad spot because the acting on this goes back to your original statement when you first threw the flag because she is you know Lyra Silvertongue super cool customer Mm -hmm. and then she's doing the I left my wallet at the Brugers in the airport like pat pat check the bag pat Mm -hmm. pat pat check the bag the thing you do before you leave your house you check your keys phone wallet Mm -hmm. you do the three pat for me, it's left, right front pocket and both back pockets. And it's just like, who? I'm sure we've all, as long as we've been having... I'm a latchkey kid from you know way back. Yeah. yeah, I lost my keys in sixth grade. Still bothers me. Like, I, yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 that bothered me. But again, I had to understand why they would change the scene and why they wouldn't want to... Um, yeah, Boreal is a villain, but we're not going to and yeah, not on our show. They're like we can't, we can't bring this to HBO right. or or BBC, I guess more. Yeah, it's just that we don't want to. We don't. They probably just didn't want to bring those vibes. Yeah, you know, like it's just a it's a light enough show, even though they deal with heavy topics and you know the authority and stuff. But let's stay away from that. And if they didn't, and they did it in a, a, a way that was like hey that was kind of that was dark and creepy but you know that's it was dark and creepy in the book and uh, yeah. complain about it and uh, besides obvious ways of the character being creepy and you know violating her um, but yeah so mini rant you know it just and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be as noticeable or rant worthy mini rant worthy if they hadn't had her kind of be stupid or out of play they have her do these out of character things because they don't have her as the liar from the book who was super clever and was a very good liar and could talk her way in or out of any situation uh, next scene we got Lee again so his, his he's landed again we didn't get to see his balloon land but he's made his way to some some bar that's some bar. Uh, probably the best bar in this town. Matter of fact, we know it's the best bar in the town, or the best inn in the town, because uh, uh, later Coulter stays there, has to get a room there, and she's not happy about it, but at least it's not 
you know, she had her own private quarters, and, and yeah. And Lee is trying to get a story. He's asking about Stanislav's grooming, but he's being, like, he's not being conspicuous about uh you know he's being conspicuous about it i should say he's not hiding himself he's he's trying to get a story out of some adventurer looking guy and he's not getting much out of him there's author there's magisterium guards in the bar having a drink having it having some food the wait the bartender lady is even like you can tell everybody has ears everywhere like that was just very very apparent uh later or not later later in the scene he lee gets what he wants sort of from the bartender sam and because the 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 adventurer told him a story about grooming dying getting caught in like a bear trap of some sort and then dying and the lady's like nope we had an adventurer coming here a couple weeks or a day ago a couple days ago tell us grooming survived that trap and and he told him he might he might find some answers at the observatory because he used to work there. And Lee, getting the answers to getting the lead, boom, pays for his drink, gets the hell out of there, and everybody's like, "Oh, well, we know where he's going." So if you're you just know like, oh well, if anybody's like eyeing him, which the Magisterium guards clearly were. Like, after he leaves, they're like, mm, yeah, we probably should follow that guy. They all know, everybody in the bar <laughs> knows where he's going and who he's looking for. Uh, back back at uh, St. Peter's College, Mary Malone straps herself into her dark matter computer and puts the, puts the uh, nodes on her temples, and she's trying to communicate with them and get it to communicating words so she's trying to ask it yes or no questions but she can't get her mind right remember lyra told her you got to set your mind no no she told lyra and then lyra was like yeah no i know that feeling that's that's the feeling i have to get uh, with the alethiometer totally and uh but mary's not having any success um uh with with her with her with her dark matter machine yeah, Brian Cox does a great job in, in um, HBO's succession of being this, like, overbearing, like, crazy person. Mary Malone is, like, HBO has the market cornered on people who are, like, functional but crazy. And she is doing that here. It's, like, you could tell every scene where they go back to the college and she she is a woman who you could tell she's been in one too many faculty meetings she's where she's permanently like, in thought yeah she's like could I just if we could just get back to that this, I, this I, could have been an email <laughs> yeah it's like Mary please like I got trust I just I just I think if you need to see this 12 year old girl who I just talked with all of my theories are correct like imagine someone like walking into like a dean's office or any office and saying, you know, they're usually the person with the most crazy ideas is always the person that, yeah, they, they, I like how aesthetically she isn't set up where she's, you know, she cares enough to like brush her teeth. Like they could have gone way like if an American, I, I disheveled American, uh, scholar that doesn't care about yeah. anything, but you know, the breakthrough that they're working on. Right. But she can do that. She can she can do that and also be the person that like this could have been an email. Right. 
Right. They showed that with the stale cookie she had in her office. Like, oh, she doesn't spend a ton of time, uh, you know, keeping, you know, snacks in or, or, you know, she's a bit all over the place. And, and but she's about her she's about her science and about her 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 shadow particles. Um, leaving St. Peter's back to uh, Chittagatze, Will is still looking for Lyra. He, he, he thinks he sees her going into um, their apartment or a building. I'm not sure if this was their place. It ends up being Angelica, and she's looking out of the window at something, and he's like, what are you looking at? She's like, nothing, nothing. Like, clearly hiding something. And apparently that place has a nice view of the tower of the angels, the Torre de Angeli. And, uh... He's like, what are you looking at? So he looks out the window and sees somebody walking around in the tower. And he's like, who, what? Who's that? She's like, I didn't see anybody. Must have been a ghost. Like, <laughs> That's a leap. Little girl, you are doing a terrible job of lying. It's just your, tip, your standard kid caught and doesn't know how to, you know, definitely get themselves out of, uh, out of a situation without giving everything away. And uh, she's like, there can't be anybody in there. There's no way in or out. Like, well, that's probably not true. Like, what? <laughs> Why would you say that? Right. Like, even if I didn't see someone walking up and down the, or walking around in there, I'd be like, what? There's no way. Yeah. Anyway, uh, she gives him. A, she tells him uh, her brother told her that place belonged to the guild. They did important stuff like philosophy and alchemy. And uh, she called them cowards and they ran away when the specters came just like all the other grown-ups. And now the only, cho- only the children are left here. And then she asked if they got Will's parents. And Will's like, no. And she's like, well, they got mine. Right in front of me. Ate the life right out of them. Like, and Will's just like, like he visibly like was like kind of like and he's like I'm sorry and uh so they have a bit of a a bit of a moment him and uh and Angelica which is different because after he in last episode after he saved them from torturing that cat they were like you ain't from around here and they were not liking him. Nope. So this is a little more uh, creative uh, license. Decent enough. From I mean, I, I don't think saving. I, I think she. she the, the, the normal question would have been, where'd that beast come from? Where'd that snarling Wolverine come from? That was clearly on your side. I, I, I think that's kind of a. Let's eh, let's not uh, bring that up. But we still need them, Angelica and Will, to have a conversation and an interaction so he can look right. up and see somebody's in that tower. In the book, Lyra noticed uh, that somebody was in the tower po- peeking out, looking at her, uh, a boy with uh, that she thought vaguely looked like Angelica. Or no, vaguely looked like Paolo, the, Angelica's little right. brother or something. But they didn't go that route. They had Will meet or seeing him. Uh, with Angelica's inadvertent help 
Uh, but whatever. They had they had a conversation. She told him he's going to need a plan. You're almost grown up, and you know what that means. Won't be long for the specters after you. He said, I'm not scared. He's like, well, that's because you've never seen him at work, which is true. If he, yeah. <laughs> you know, the way it's described in the book, it's really gruesome. And we saw the visuals of that in episode one when the guy was getting the water. Uh, back to Mary at St. Peter's, still trying to get in the right frame of mind. She just she just can't get there. Uh, then she storms off. Uh, she finds the the old man that let Lyra go by without, you know, trying to tackle her. Uh, she's like, he, he tells her, hey, the little girl got away. And so at least now she knows. Oh, because the question she was asking the, uh, the alethiometer, the question she was asking her supercomputer, her dark matter computer was, is Lyra safe? Is Lyra safe? And it was just a yes or no question, but she couldn't get she couldn't get her mind right to to ask it or to get an answer. And the uh, the older guy let her know that she's fine and she got away at least. Uh, back to Yenisey, y- y- uh, we got Lee. What'd you think of this uh, this observatory? Lee walks up to this. He takes this trek up to an observatory and if you know what observatories are you know they're typically you know they can't just be in the middle of the city with everybody and all the noise and the light they gotta be high up they gotta yeah. be high up and preferably you know away from everything so he takes this nice little trek to an observatory um which you know had a nice looking telescope but the building itself was not very uh well maintained it was Rustic. <laughs> yeah, that's a pr- that's a pretty nice way of putting it. It's uh, it was it was you know had a steam like everything does in this uh, series it has a steampunky element without the Victorian stuff that that the book and movie kind of angles toward. Uh, Lee starts asking uh, the observed the telescope guy that's up there about grooming. And he asks, where is he? And he's like, "Uh," after his body stiffened up, (laughs) he's like, somewhere up the Yenisee River. And he's like, Dr. Stanislaus Grumman is a heretic. And Lee's like, okay, I didn't know that. He's like, well, you've been most helpful. And he tries to leave. Gotta go. And then the guy's lemur monkey... He uh, jumps down, and then the guy quotes, uh, uh, "Ye shall know their fruits by the questions they by their questions ye shall see the serpent gnawing at their heart." Like basically, you're asking about a heretic. You must be a heretic. And Lee right. is like, uh, "Okay, have a good day, sir." And he leaves. Next thing you know, a couple gunshots ring out and Lee almost falls off the balcony thing and pulls out his hammer licks three shots in through the uh, through the little curtain door and, uh, <laughs> and then after a while after a few seconds of is there going to be some return fire he, he walks back in and he reloads his weapon gets some cover walks in and realizes and, and sees that he shot the guy at least once in the gut he's like yelling at the guy like <laughs> what the hell, Doctor Doctor Haley? Why did you do that? 
you damn fool and the guy's like no like when he's trying to help him he's like let me help you he's like no don't Dr. Grumman is an enemy of the Magisterium, and so are you. And he grabs Lee around the throat, but then he dies, and his lemur, you know, you know, Thanos turns into Thanos dust. And uh, Lee is just freaking out. He starts to, you know, tear up a little bit. And Hester's like, he didn't give you a choice. You didn't shoot to kill. We need to go. So Lee's like, yeah, you're right. We need to get yeah, it's a got to go situation. He's like, is there any place the Magisterium hasn't infiltrated? You know, anything to do with halfway to do with science or or anything? They probably got a man or a few people in, uh, you know, in place. Lee goes to leave, and that balcony he was just hanging on is now full of Magisterium guards with automatic weapons pointed at him. And so now Lee is obviously arrested, or under arrest, I should say. Uh, then we get Mary. We get a, a, a scene in Mary, of Mary's home life. Uh, so Mary's sister comes over with her nieces, her niece and nephew, and she's like, "Oh, I forgot I was watching you guys today." Yeah. And so she, Mary, was presumably about to go into the office to do some more science work, but now she's uh, she's got to uh, entertain children and a nosy sister. Maybe sister-in-law? No, no, she's not married, so it's her sister's sister. Uh, but again, a nosy sister. It comes in and starts reading her mail. <laughs> it's it's she, wild. Yeah. Uh, but it's just a little little scene of Mary's home life that we don't get in the book that fits in with... Uh, fits in with what they what they're doing on TV. And it also gives an excuse why she didn't get to go back into the office and get, you know, just stalls her a little bit. Back in Chittagatse, Will finally sees Lyra's note that she's going to see her scholar and she'll be back. Uh, be back very soon and obviously it's soon and she ain't back. So Will takes off presumably to uh Right. Go find her. Back to in Will's world. Lyra's sitting on the bench in the park. And Pan's like, what are we going to do? Lyra's crying. Will pops out of the portal. And he's like, what What are you doing? What, what happened? What's the matter? And she wipes her tears away, trying to hide that she was crying. And she's like, I've lost it. I lost the alethiometer. Someone took it. And he's just like, what? We need it. Without it, we'll never find my dad. She's like, I know. And she's like, it's some guy that met at the museum. And then Pan's like, hey, the card. Because Latrim Boreal slash Boreal gave her his business card when he met at the museum, her at the museum. And was, was like, if you want to ever talk about, you know, ancient, you know, old human skulls again. Uh, so Will's freaking out. No alethiometer. We've been spotted. Oh, because he said she told him also there was a cop at, at the scholar's office asking him questions about you. So he's like, oh my god, well, crap. So they know where uh, Latrum lives and they're making their way to, to his place. I, I mean, done differently from the book, but you know they got where they needed to go in a in a decent way. Nothing to complain yeah. about here, or at least for me. 
Yeah, it's like point A, point F, point G instead of A, B, C, but they still got the G. I don't even, I don't even think they went in a roundabout way. They just, they just told a different story of how to get. Because in the, in the, in the book, they, uh, they don't have money, or, or no, Will does later go to like a max machine or ATM, but they decide to, I think, walk across town to, to his place. Um, here they go a little bit of a different route, but we'll get there. Uh, York is in back in the mountains or back up north, I should say. Uh, York is leading a contingent of his bears, and Kaiser shows up and he has to warn his bears. I know that bird. Chill out. Don't don't do nothing. And he goes to have a little chat with Kaiser, uh, Seraphina Pecula's demon, and he inform. He informs Kaiser that the the terror that that Azrael tore the you know tore in the in the sky is affecting the weather. All the seals are gone. The snow is melting. Our food source is disappearing. We're going to starve if we don't do something. Kaiser informs York that the Magisterium destroyed their home, killed a bunch of folks, and uh, you know, but that's a that's a that's a that's a dis- that's a thing we're gonna have to uh you know Dissect. do on our own. We're like we'll handle yeah. that, King York. Don't even sweat it. But it was basically just that little meeting was just to keep everybody in the loop. Now York knows the witches are have been distressed, the magisterium has struck. The witches now know the bears are on the move and maybe can't help them. Nope. Uh, next, Mrs. Coulter is up north. She's in that tavern, or the inn, I should say. She's not happy, but it's all all they have because apparently the weather is really bad. And she lets her uh, lets her handler know that she's not she ain't happy about it. Um, not at all. Imagine you in one world, and some hot shot rolls through and is like, "Oh yeah, let me just get a couple of young." folks to agree with my crackpot theory it's like wait 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 I got the market cornered on crackpot theories I'm Mary Malone <laughs> I, got, I know about you. You, you, you let me tell you about these shadow particles that I can talk to okay lady uh, next we get or not next but in the same scene when after Coulter gets her key the bartender Sam the woman that gave uh, Lee the info on how to maybe track down Grumman at the observatory she's like hey yeah you're the second outsider we've had today first one was an uh, uh, an aeronaut I heard he got arrested and I couldn't tell even rewatching it now was that news to Coulter because in the first scene of, of Coulter up north before the before she went to the inn was her talking to some magisterium police looking guys so I assume they filled her in, like, yeah, we got this guy, and but then the air, the the bartender t- gives her that bit of news, and um, I couldn't tell by Mrs. Coulter's uh, reaction whether she was like, mm-hmm, I know that, because in the next scene she's walking into the jail cell and or whatever it is, the holding cell where Lee is chained up and bloody with a with a with a black eye, swollen eye. Uh, so I, I couldn't tell if Sam gave her new information or just confirmed what she already knew, and she just was looking like, "Yeah, you nosy woman, I, I you know, your little gossip. I already, I know he got arrested." 
Um, that's just like in Skyrim. You want to get some information? Talk to the talk to the innkeeper, and 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 they'll tell you all kinds of secrets. Maybe give you a clue what's going on in town. Start a quest. Yeah. So that's all that was. We know those gamer game tropes. Uh, so yeah, she she starts interrogating Lee. Bloody, beat up Lee, chained. But Lee is, you know, witty. You know, witty uh, performer that he is. Um, won't give her an inch. He's being. Uh, he's like, who are you and what do you want? She's like, that's a rude way to to greet someone, a visitor. He's like. Did you bring food? She said no. He's like, then who are you and what do you want? <laughs> She's like, you're not endearing yourself to me, Mrs. Sc- Mr. Scoresby. Uh, so after some back and forth little tete-a-tete little games, uh, he's like, ma'am, I haven't done anything wrong. I don't know what you think I've done. The Magisterium is one of the finest organizations I know, and I will happily sign uh, any pledge or chant any agreement you need. So can I go now? And uh, of course, yeah, she basically like she has uh, she has Hester, or I'm sorry, he has she has her monkey like punch Hester in the face. Uh, she yeah. she slapped Lee in the face. Lee starts going off on like about how he starts she, he starts telling this story about how his dad used to just beat the crap out of him for no real reason, you know, didn't bring his shoes his his slippers quick enough crack uh just she's like oh you look like you know what i'm talking about like because mrs Coulter kind of reacts when he starts telling this story about how his dad beats the used to beat the crap out of him just for no real reason or you know and he felt ashamed or he felt like it was his fault like hey i bought it on myself and he's like but you know about this kind of pain and you know exactly what you've been through something similar haven't you yeah, and he like starts getting in her head, and he's like, "So you know, I'm not. I'll never tell you, because she's basically there. To, hey, where, where is Lyra? And it's like, I'll never tell you because my life is worth one tenth of hers. And uh, then they go, oh, the, the reason what sparked his besides the slap, but what sparked his story about the dad was, he she's trying to say Lyra's safer with me than wherever she is." And he's like, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, I'm sure my father would have thought I was safer with him. <laughs> you know. And Mrs. Coulter tears up and she knows that she won't get anything from him. And, um, yeah. Oh, she asked him, do you have children? No? Then how do you know what, you know, how does it, how it feels? Yeah, that was tough. Yeah, and then that kind of launched him in. Again, that was all a part that launched him into this story about his dad and his abusive ways. Yeah, you love her. Yeah, that her. was his like. You, you love her for your consideration. Yeah, you love her, but that doesn't mean she's safe with you. That doesn't mean it's the right thing to do to have her with you. Like, I'm not doubting that you love her, but. And she's like, I can't. I can't tell you where she is because I love her. I swear I'd keep her safe. She's safe with me. He's like, a woman that turns children into ghosts? <laughs> and then that's when the monkey slapped Hester. And then he launched into uh, his whole thing. I got very few skills, but 
One skill I do have is I can deal with pain. I'm good with it. And then he uh, went into his story. My daddy slapped me. Hit me so hard I didn't think I'd chew right for days or whatever. Kind of little. Yeah. Oh, his leg swelled up. Couldn't stand, mm-hmm. couldn't sit, couldn't do anything. And then he started throwing the same thing at her. And I really liked that's gonna you know that's in the packet of the four year consideration this scene yeah because, because this is all creative license none of this yep. ever happened in the book Lee and Coulter I don't think had any one on one interactions no it was like almost one of those ships passing in the night storyline wise which was uh, when we were starting to review this show one of the biggest things we th- said when they put the articles out was we're going to get to see these two share a screen. Mm. And boy, oh boy, did they do it. Yeah. They, uh, Lynn Manuel and Ruth Wilson did not disappoint in this scene. Uh, but she, she left. She left really flustered with no information. He stared at the wall. That was the haunt. Oh, that was that. It's like in in season one, they had her doing a lot of monkey like things. Like, remember Mm -hmm. when she uh, when she she uh, judo chopped Benjamin DeRoyda and then jumped on his back and started like back slapping him like a gorilla Mm -hmm. or whatever. And and when she fell out of the vent, not fell, but when she exited the vent she had this like she not superhero pose but like this kind of like monkey kind of thing like super agility thing that she did in heels like oh look at you <laughs> now she had this big flashback about being a not flashback but she was reminded what it was like you know probably growing up with her abusive mother or father they didn't specify and then she just goes and stands in the corner she she like leaves Lee and she just stands in the corner like reverting back to eight-year-old Marissa, and just standing in her monkey, like kind of like holds her hand in this like you know uh, comforting way. She didn't flick him away or anything. Like I was scared for a second. I was I, I was like she's gonna him. pop him. She's gonna pop him, but yeah. she didn't. She didn't. She just stood in the corner like a like an obedient little girl. And yeah. Next scene we have. We have Lyra and Will in the movie theater. Ooh, another little mini rant. Ah, why they take why the book gave them such a roadmap, and they just was like, skirt, skirt. We're going, we're going to take this way. Like, why, why, why? They gave you a nice little roadmap through the desert. You're like, nope, I'm gonna jump over these dunes. <laughs> so here they just show up in the movie theater. With and 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 Will has a big bucket of popcorn and a soda, one soda, which I thought was well, selfish. Like, yeah. Okay, and he didn't have a coupon. They immediately like she Lyra, who's never seen a a movie, uh, or certainly not like ours, ignores the big giant screen showing Paddington, you know, sweet little you know CG bear, and she just. Uh, they they start having this conversation and people start hushing them and um and uh oh then she eats, she reaches over and starts eating popcorn and what, what number one rule that's this, the number one rule of a, a date 
this was Your so food tastes better. weird. Will's holding the big ass bucket of popcorn. Mm-hmm. Lyra, instead of just like, oh, of course some of this is for me, she tentatively like, uh, okay, and then Will like shakes his head at her like she just stole his popcorn. Like, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Were you going to eat that entire bucket of popcorn yourself? And apparently he so, was. because he only got one damn soda. The the cad. <laughs> I Will just... Perry got the number one combo: large fry, um, large popcorn, large soda. That's he was it. not getting the number like nine with the two larges. He ain't got thirty bucks. just need the one popcorn and the two soda deal. Goodness, mm-hmm. he wasn't gonna waste it on silver tongue. Well, wait, 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 describe how Lyra described the popcorn, and that's why she didn't. So she then it. eats a handful, of, a mouthful of uh, popcorn, and then she takes the bucket from him, and then she's stuffing her mouth, and then she says, "This is disgusting." And he goes, "What?" But no, it's not. She says it tastes like wood shavings. He's like, no, it doesn't. She's like, okay, then, then stop eating. And she goes, I can't. Mm. And then she says, can you? T-? Then Will's like, can you take anything serious? And then she's like, oh, is that why you came looking for me? You thought I was just goofing off, like in your world. And they have this kind of like little pissy conversation, and people are like shushing them. None of this happened in the movie, or, or I'm sorry, nope. in the book. They didn't right. ha- like by this time in the book they were not having these pissy little ooh, ooh, conversations. Not that they were perfect pals, but they uh, so they realized there was something going on. They had to in the book they realized okay yeah. we're gonna wait till dark to go. We gotta we gotta kill some time. So let's go to the movie theater. Will goes got himself some money from the Mac machine, from the ATM, and so he has some cash to spend. He even gave Lyra a couple bucks or some coins or whatever. Like, hey, yeah. if you need money, if we get separated, here's money. And let's go to the movies. He gets hot dogs and popcorn and and a, and, a, and some Coca Colas. And she walks in and she's like, whoa. She's like, yeah, we have some. She's like, we have like projectors of some sort. Because remember, Azrael does his little uh, present presentation. He has like some kind of projector right. thing. And she's like, well, we got nothing like this. <laughs> right? So she's in awe. She's like eating hot dogs, the Coke, uh, the soda bubbles. You know, she drinks her soda too fast and it burns her nose. She belches and giggles. It's just like a little girl ex- experiencing the movies, soda, popcorn, and hot dogs all for the same t- at the same time. And the joy that that would bring a girl. And a boy seeing this someone experienced that for the first time right like when you bring somebody to something like oh you're gonna love this a part of is watching their reaction and Will's reaction to that and here we get to have her insult popcorn which is just like no that's not a thing no one hates popcorn and they have to have this little pissy little argument which was very annoying because again the the book gave him such a uh, a, 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 a a guide, but they had to squeeze in. She's like, I lost. She thinks because she's like, can you take anything seriously? And she's like, 
I do, and I, I can and I do. My best friend was killed, and my father killed him. And then Will's like, oh, that was news to him. And so they have to fit in all this kind of like exposition and all this, these realizations and these, uh, these, uh, Will has to look at her differently like, oh, she's been through some things. Excuse me. She opens up, but they didn't do it in the scene in the movie theater in the book, and and I and I understand reason again. I have to say this every single time. I get decisions need to be made and stuff needs to be cut or mashed together with other things, um, but I don't have to like it. Right. Yeah. And I did not like the scene. I I, I think the scene itself is fine, perfectly fine. But with the context of knowing the books, it's hard to like the scene because in the because you just I miss I wanted to see that joy on on her face eating popcorn and drinking soda for the first time and they're watching Paddington which and then <laughs> and on the movie screen Paddington walks through a portal from a city into like this you know really lush place and a butterfly is flying around him as if it's maybe his demon and it's like this all these parallels and like like they're obviously trying to get across something and uh she doesn't enjoy she doesn't get to enjoy any of that because she's having this angsty little conversation with will telling him about roger and Azrael, and it's just not the place or there she's not in the space to have a, a fun happy time but eventually, she does kind of look up and Pan pokes his head out of the bag, and that's when they see Paddington go through the portal and the the colors and the you know. So she kind of looks up and does have a visual. Her eyes widen, and she kind of like and Pan's eyes like he's looking like whoa. But again, it's just it's to me it just wasn't enough. They could have, but again they had to fit fit a bunch of stuff in. I know, I know, I know. Uh, back up north, Mrs. Coulter has a is having a fancy little sniff. She's got a snifter of brandy, probably, in a place where they take shots of whiskey. She's like uh, drinking a snifter of uh, a snifter of brandy. The bartender then slips her a note. M. Coulter, I know where she is. Signed, Boreal, and it's just like a telegram that I guess he had sent to her in that town. I don't know how he knows where she is in Yenisee, but let's not ask too many questions. He now, or I'm sorry, Coulter now knows Lyra has been found, has been pinpointed. And uh, the look on her face, she starts to hyperventilate a little bit. She goes back to the jail. The guard is asleep. His snake is asleep on the floor. The monkey jumps uh, jumps the snake and grabs it by the neck and thunks its head on the ground. <laughs> and the soldier slash cop guard or whatever uh, passes out. And the snake didn't disappear. It didn't dust away. So it's just obviously just knocked out. But uh, th- that was... Wow. I was not expecting... <laughs> I was not expecting that demon on demon violence. Yeah, that was... It, it, it threw me for a little bit of a loop. And it also reminded you that that, that her monkey is a badass. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just... <laughs> terrifying. 
So she walks into Lee's cell, who's even more beat up this time. Uh, so I don't know if the guards worked him over again, but she walks in with his pistol. He notices it. He's scared, thinking, oh, shit, this lady's going to shoot me in my face. Uh, she throws him the keys and says, you took them from the guard. Or you, you tricked the guard or whatever. And then before she leaves, he says, thank you. She says, there's a prophecy about Lyra. The witches speaks up, speak of it. It means That means a lot of people are going to be looking for her and not all good. So you mustn't trust anyone. I'm searching for Lyra myself, but if you find her, keep her safe. She didn't say bring her to me or do nothing. Nope. She just said, please keep her safe. Because obviously she knows that man's... Uh, true when he says I love her and I'm going my, my my goal is to keep her safe then she leaves his pistol on the bench and leaves and he you know he says to Hester resurrection comes in the strangest forms and uh you know he he's all beat up but he gets out of there and he's like trying to figure out hey how are we going to find grooming got to head up the Yenisee uh the Yenisee river and then they leave. The monkey realizes he's still carrying the guy's demon and just throws it down in the hallway. It's like I, I was thinking, please drop his demon before he dies from for, from uh, from separation. Uh, Lee escapes. He has to like hide a little bit because there's some guards, but he manages to uh, he manages to uh, allow a dis- a distracted group of cops. Uh, lead to his getaway I think there was a oh the drunk the guy from earlier the adventurer from earlier that Lee was plying with spirits to open up and to tell him his story about grooming he finally uh, <laughs> succumbed to his, his his drunkenness and the cops are like hey hey buddy you can't you can't sleep here uh, or he's about to get maybe arrested for public intoxication uh, back in Mary's apartment I guess because she's not yeah, that's definitely her bedroom. So she's in her house, and she's throwing her I Ching sticks, which gets her mind in a state that immediately the computer recognizes, even from miles away. And it's the dark, the dark matter supercomputer starts reacting to her thoughts and showing a snake. So I'm assuming that that's boreal that she's warning that the system is trying to warn her of because boreal has her or or has the alethiometer at least and will be in contact with her very soon and that very soon is now uh because will and lyra find boreal's place it's like got state-of-the-art uh they're on camera so they don't even have to knock he opens the door and kind of startles them a little bit uh this scene went relatively the same as it does did with the books with lyra being just really aggressive and wanting to be like you stole and will's like lizzie thinks she might have mistakenly uh picked up an item she dropped (laughs) and she's just sitting there gritting her teeth staring daggers into him and he's like, "Oh, you mean this?" And pull and opens like this, uh, this like drawer compartment in the in the in the in the, in the display. And she's like, "That's mine." He's like, "Actually, 
you'll find that it's mine. <laughs> he didn't go into the nine tenths of the possession or all yeah. that, but he just straight up was like, was like nah. if you think I stole it, let's get the police in here and they'll figure and it out. Like, no, 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 no. Will's like, no, 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 fam, we don't, we don't need to go that far. Why you gotta and, call Pete? Why you gotta go five zero? Yeah, but then he does go, William. Lyra, like the jig is up, and uh, he basically says, "I'm a collector, and uh, I like I collect things. So if you get something for me, I'll give you this little lithiometer back." And then they're like, "They gotta grit their teeth. Like, fine. What do you want us to get?" Oh, but in the meantime, in that scene, he did uh, let Lyra in. He's like, you don't even remember me, do you? And she's like, huh? He's like, you're not as astute as your mother. And he goes, and then Lyra's like, from the party! Damn it! Mm. And he's like, there you go. (laughs) Uh, She's like, then she starts yelling at him, you don't even know what you've stolen. You're just going to stick it on the shelf. And then she picks up a glass and throws it at him uh, and then as he's like sit down before I call the police and Will is like grabbing her and trying to keep her somewhat under control uh, and that's when he breaks down that you do something for me I'll do something for you there's a knife and you can if you get it you can earn earn back your uh, your lithiometer because I know you went through a portal or you found a, a, a window or whatever you call it, a doorway. I'm aware you found a doorway. And it leads to another world. And they look at each other. It's a crossroads world. And the man that made that doorway has a knife. And Will's like, ooh, because he's been having his weird dreams and, and flashes of a knife. And he's like, yeah, it's the one with the carved... It's at the in the tower with carved angels. And Boreal's like, bring the knife to me. I'll give you what you want. And they're like, we'll do it. And they don't have a choice. And that's it. Oh, she did get in his face uh, at the end. And uh, what did she say to him? She just looked right at him, looked him right in the eyes. And uh, he didn't flinch. He's like, we'll get your knife. And that was it. And then she just stared at him. Like, like you know her eye said bitch <laughs> you know what she did we'll get your knife bitch and then they uh and the episode ends after a shot of the Torre del the Angeli the t- tower of the angels or the angel tower yeah and next week we will we will get to meet uh Jackamore Paradisi and he uh Giacomo or Giacomo will get to meet Mr. Paradisi. Uh, and and I guess and you all know that the, uh, the the episodes air eight days earlier in the UK. There are already complaints about Giacomo that he didn't necessarily fit the bill. Uh, but there are always going to be complaints. If you listen to me, you know there are going to be complaints. <laughs> you know, that's what fandom does. We complain. So, but yeah. That uh, that does it for the episode or or the the TV episode. We have uh, I think we did get an email for this week. I think Doc Bruce sent us in an email. Let's uh, 
let's see what he's got to say. If you want to send us an email, you can send it at ddustpodcast at gmail.com. ddustpodcast at gmail.com. Okay. Let's see. He says, if I can pull it up. Okay. And he's already sent in a question about episode four. So we'll get to that next week. So at least he's, uh, you know, he's ready. He's ready. Uh, uh, so Doc says, yo, so you know when Kong writes about seeing Alaron Kong, the author, you know when Kong writes about seeing emotions flash on someone's face for an instant or whatever? Well, Ruth Wilson gave a master class on facial expressions in her scene with Lin-Manuel Miranda in the jail cell. Holy shit. Particularly when, particularly when she grabbed him by the throat. The anger, fear, sadness, and trauma all shoot, shone through almost simultaneous, simultaneously. Damn. Even her face after she gives him the keys and talks about the prophecy is just amazing. Also, a York sighting. Be easy. Uh, Bruce in Seattle. So, yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, we haven't done it in the first two episodes, but if we were, I, I just, I think it's because Ruth Wilson would just win them all the time. And we talked about that last right. season. If we're going to go, Hey, who gets the acting award, uh, this episode, uh, Ruth Wilson, <laughs> Ruth Wilson, of course, because she killed it. Uh, I think next week we're going to get to see some Mary Malone stretch her, stretch her chops when she gets to uh you know she uh, i assume it's going to be next week or maybe the episode after that but she's going to have her big revelation with her shadow particles and obviously she's already made con somewhat tentative contact she doesn't know yet i don't think um i'm looking forward to that and her just loving on her because <laughs> She's the best. You did a good job <laughs> earlier bigging up uh, 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 Mary Malone. Uh, but I, I look forward to that. But yeah, Mrs. Coulter was, and Doc was right. Oh, uh, just, yeah. You saw everything just for a flash, though. She's good at that. Like, she's not, she didn't overdo it. It's just, you got to be paying attention. But uh, yeah, thanks, Doc, for that email. Appreciate you. But yeah, be like Doc. Like I said, at uh, or G, uh, I'm sorry, ddustpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter. Hit us at hit us up with a tweet, um, live tweet. I haven't been live tweeting, and I I think this is my one of the reasons I think having the eight day delay in the states is so stupid because social engagement is way down. I don't live tweet. I feel like it's old news, you know, by the time we see him here. Or if I watch the episode early, which I have access to, I'll be giving it away. I don't want to tweet stuff that people haven't seen. You know, I know we have potentially fans all over the world, but obviously we're an American podcast with a predominantly American audience, I have to assume, whether it's, uh, you know, just by a little bit. But still, that's our... It's our dominant audience. And I don't want to spoil folks and be that guy. <laughs> you know, so I, I, hopefully for season three, 
they rectify that and uh, it's they give us maybe the one day delay which wasn't so bad but this eight day stuff is killing me killing the social engagement <laughs> uh, but yeah hit us on twitter at ddust podcast and uh, just let us know what you're thinking of the episodes of this show if you got a question that you want answered on the show but you know email is somehow too complicated for you <laughs> you can always do it there uh, or you can drop us a voicemail you get three unadulterated minutes to uh, to ask questions or comment or uh, yell about um, how they make Lyra or mini rant about uh, whatever you got uh, so hit us up on a vo- voicemail at 415-787-5229 uh, or do all three drop an email tweet us and voicemail it's all in uh all in one episode. That's fine. But uh, yeah, so that does it for us here. Any any final words? Any uh, any uh, exiting salutations for our for our audience? I I think hopefully in this second season, folks are enjoying both our coverage of it, but the show itself most importantly. Yeah. And if there is anything that jumps out to you, if you want to say it's the uh. Ruth Wilson memorial uh, <laughs> actor or actress of the of the show or maybe the person who's chewing the most scenery of the show mm-hmm. uh, just throw it out give us suggestions because this is a you know we try to have a fluid process obviously yeah all right so with all that said thanks everybody for listening we'll be back next week with uh, a recap and review of episode four not sure what episode four is called. Uh, but yeah we'll be back then and um, yeah until next time that's Rich I'm Trav and we're out of here see you folks thanks everybody the Demon Dust Podcast is hosted by Travis Bryant and Rich Fan II and is produced by Cameron Hawkins for the South Congress Podcast Network.